Hello, my name's uh, Lorene Vaughan. Thank you for coming along. And um, I'm just going to talk for a little while about the work and then if people have questions, that would be great. Um, as Evelyn was just saying in the introduction, that I have, um, I have a, a deep interest in um, place and how people make place and how we know place. And in conjunction with that, I also have a long history with the Western District, which is the focus of this um, exhibition, and, uh, and a love of the dry stone walls, even though I never really knew what they were. As a child, we would drive from Kuroit, which is about three hours from Melbourne, um, to the city and back. You know, you sit in the back of the car and looking out the window. And I, we, one part of the road, all of a sudden these beautiful walls would start to emerge. Um, and then I would start to get excited. I also used to get excited when we could see Mount Elephant because that was a way that my mother used to amuse us. But I always knew that the walls meant we were halfway there or were halfway home. And so they became this kind of time measure. And so over the last few years I've been thinking about, well, what, is, what are the walls? And it's very easy to think of a wall as being a divider between land areas. And the dry stone walls have a long history here, but they have a longer history in Europe. And I became interested in the idea that the walls themselves are not dividers, rather they're holders. Because they're demarcations of land and ownership, but they're in that there's a whole lot of things going on. One of them is about how um, who owns the walls, what properties are being divided. And in Australia, we continued the, the English and Irish tradition of with inheritance of breaking properties up into smaller and smaller lots. So in some areas, we see very small walled areas, and those small walled areas really represent a small family sector rather than a particular kind of growing. And so, so, I, so out of that, it became sort of, well, what's in the walls and who makes the walls? Because the walls of the... Um, of the Western District of Victoria were made predominantly by people from Cornwall, um, Ireland, Devon and Italy. And if you know the walls, as some of the people out in those communities do, they can look at a wall and tell you which family made it. So it has a signature style and as there are regional styles, there are also signature styles. So as I was thinking about the making of this piece, I became interested in how can I do something that shows that, um, that refers to or connects to that longevity of making. And also when you talk to people now, it's not just the men who made them. Some, there was a mythology that I grew up with that the dry stone walls were made by um, convict labour and they weren't. They were generally itinerant workers or farmers. It was a skill. It's a kind of vernacular craft in some ways. But the women participated as well as the men, and these days the women do quite a lot of the work. So I wanted to make, think about how we can think about walls that's not just a masculine divider of land, it's actually something that connects to the feminine and the containment of relationships and skills and traditions. And so what I've produced is this book, um, which is actually a Japanese fold-out book, if it's fully um, 
in place. It's uh, it's one and a half metres high, it's 50 90, one metre wide and it's 15 metres long. The height dimensions of it actually reference a wall. So when it's up and upright, it's about the average height of a dry stone wall. One side of it is a repeat image of the wall. The cover represents the end stones that exist at the end of a dry stone wall. And so at the end of a wall, you have to come to an end. So in this way, the two hard covers reference that. But on the inside or on the other side of the, of the wall or the book, there are 15 metres of these eight trajectories of embroidery. And... These reference just the idea of that nothing represents anything literally. It's about how people came from one place to another bringing their craft with them and they journeyed often in quite precarious ways um, to come and make a new land and to make new homes and that it was often they were employed, they were brought out for their skill. So it's... um, yeah, so that's what the inside of the work refers. So in the introduction to it and in the book that accompanies the exhibition, I reference the fact that this is not, um, what do I say? This is not a map, this is not a wall, this is not a book, it's not an heirloom. And it is all of those things. And so I'm interested in how structures like walls could actually be cultural artefacts that tell us stories in the same way that a family book would if it was passed from one generation to another. So that's really what the work is. So I think I'd rather have questions than talk to it any more. And, yeah. Any questions or should I go first and throw one out? <laughs> um, OK. Can you just talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the embroidery and... Um, that was obviously uh, perhaps about the feminine side. Would that be right? It's the embroidery reference feminine, no, I suppose known feminine labour, um, as does the cloth, the fact that the wall is made of cloth, very modern cloth, plasticised cloth, but it is cloth. Um, and so it was about doing that, and it was a labour. In uh, <laughs> like me, uh, For those involved in the exhibition, we did actually repair a dry stone wall so I've got an idea about what it's like to build a dry stone wall and embroidering this was a similar kind of back-breaking work um, yeah and so that's how it works and when you see there's the it goes from purple to dark green lime green grey beige orange red and royal blue but it's really just an aesthetic they don't reference anything they don't reference anything and the undulating lines do they reference the topography of the area uh no they're about random journeys uh, as i did the piece it was a meter at a time i had no idea <clears throat> where it was going only i could only ever see a meter at a time so it was just a case of rolling out that sort of thing so it's a, it has a certain element of the unknown about it in that it would have had for the people who made those journeys of not knowing the landscape they were coming to either so Questions about the work? When we were making the wall, or fixing the wall, um, we were working side by side, weren't we? Yeah. Um, what was really interesting was, that, you know, you could appreciate how long it would take to actually build build these things, and you'd be going along like that. And when I see this, I kind of think, you know, you've got a group of mainly men probably, but um, 
who were out there all day in the rain or in the sun or whatever, slowly moving along, um, mm. having conversations, talking, sharing lives and stuff. So in a way, when I see that, the, so just that act of the construction, linear, long, linear time and activity of the wall, it really mm. kind of brings that stuff out. Mm. Yeah, I'm... That is in it. Thanks, Jenny. And it's, um, it was very much a part of that. And I think we got a good sense. It was a great experience to actually try building a wall, not just to know them as this thing we observed or something you went up and looked at closely and obsessively took photographs or, in, or rubbings or whatever. But to actually understand that it was a real labour, but it's a labour that happens in pairs usually or teams. And when they made them, they didn't just... Uh, they had to go and collect the rock stones. They'd collect the rocks and then drag them back to where they're going to be. And so the walls themselves appear where there are granite planes. They don't happen elsewhere. And so they're, they're distinctly connected to the land that they're on. And that's one of the things I found fascinating as we looked at the Stony Rises as an area, is that the Stony Rises is a region of Western Victoria and its place name. The walls are referred to as the Stony Rises, but the geology is actually a stony rise because it's a lava cave. And so there's always these multiple readings that are taking place when you're thinking about them. And so one of the things that was very interesting too when we were learning how to make a wall is that a true dry stone waller never lifts a rock twice. They can look at them and put them in place, by uh, which was not our skill. And they also, the middle of a wall is full of heart. That's what they call the middle stone. It's the heart stone. So these small sort of um, gravelly or smaller pieces of rock so that they're filled up. So there's two sides that are the solid stones that you see, but in the middle there's a heart, which is also what this work is referring to in terms of being that family heirloom. It's the heart of a community and a heart of... Because um, nowadays, too, farmers help farmers to repair them because there are very few dry stone wallers. Although there is a resurgence in it... Um, as a kind of vocational area, the skill itself is getting much less and the cost of doing it, is, because it is so labour-intensive, is also extremely high, which is one of the reasons why there are so many damaged walls these days and people think farmers don't care. and It's not the case. It's just it's such a labour and intensive thing to do. It's not always first on the list and particularly not first for the ones that the street side of them. So that's where it's kind of got all these really rich histories and that's what again the work is trying to reference. So when do the walls date? Um, question was, when do the walls date or in what sort of um, time frame were they built? In, a, in Australia? I'm, yeah, I'm new to Victoria, so I don't um, know much about the history of the region. They would go back to the early colonial settlers, so 1850s, I think, 1830s, 40s, something. Could be, it's around that time. So from when they first started doing settled farmlands in the Western District, you see walls that um, are associated with those early cottages or the remnants of the cottages, because often the same um, stone builders would be building the houses, doing the walls and so they were brought out um, as part of that initial labour so it goes into early colonial settlement Thank you very much Lorraine and uh, now we're going to um, hear from Ginny Lee